Welcome to Built for Life, the podcast dedicated to socially conscious property professionals who believe the future can be better than the present and your property decisions make it so. So to all of the innovators, this podcast will give you behind the scenes access to industry leading experts and researchers on how they think, create, analyze and deliver the best buildings in the world extracting their key advice, information, and considerations that you can apply to your personal and professional life. This is Adam Hines with my co-host, Jordan Ralph. Welcome to the Built for Life podcast. Hi, this is Johan from Tepio. Our zero emission boiler technology is enabling the rapid, easy, and affordable decarbonization of domestic heating. And you are listening to the Built for Life podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Built for Life podcast. And today we have a fantastic topic called From Grey to Green, how urban farming is transforming urban real estate and how you can benefit with our fabulous guest, Hamish Grant from Square Mile Farms. And a quick introduction to the episode. So Square Mile Farms provide vertical farming solutions to create engaging green experiences in urban environments, as well as help people and businesses become more sustainable. And we are in very, very safe hands as Hamish has over 25 years experience in global tech and urban farming companies. So Hamish, a huge welcome to the show, mate. Well, thank you, Adam. It's great to be here. Welcome, Hamish. It's lovely to uh, lovely to meet you as well for the first time um, for, for, for this episode. Um, and obviously, I, I haven't been party to, to pre-conversations with, with you and Adam, and I think that's that's sometimes good for a, a, an episode. So it's me asking questions that, that haven't been preempted or, or anything like that. So it'd be great to have an introduction from from yourself and, and hear about like, your personal background, your curiosity into to sustainability and, and urban farming, kind of what led you to, to where you are now? Yeah, no, sure, absolutely. Um, so I guess it um, it goes back a long, long way. Uh, it goes back to really, I guess, my origins uh, as a Kiwi uh, growing up in, uh, in uh, God's own country um, on the other side of the world. <laughs> and we were all sort of somewhat blessed in having a decent-sized backyard. Well, not all, but many of us. Um, And I always grew up with kind of a vegetable patch and we had like runner beans and sweet corn and tomatoes and, you know, passion fruit and fijos and all of that. They're just like literally everywhere around us. And it was just a really sort of like lush and sort of slightly bucolic kind of existence. Um, And then I did the thing that all Kiwis do, which is I climbed on the plane and left the country Um, (laughs) and uh, spent sort of a big chunk of time sort of um, as a bit of a nomad around the world before I settled in the UK. And the thing that really struck me when I got here was going to the supermarket and fantastic, you know, any time of the year you could get your hands on absolutely anything, you know, middle of winter. And of course there would be super fresh strawberries there, um, or, you know, fruit, you know, pineapples, you could get your salad greens, you know, in, in, in January, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I thought that initially that was you know, a pretty uh, pretty fantastic situation to be in until I started actually looking at where the stuff was coming from. And it's like, well, hold on, you know, I'm eating like I'm eating French beans which have come from Peru. 
it was like, why is the why is the basil that I'm eating you know, being shipped in from Morocco? And the more I sort of dug into it, the more I became sort of really conscious of you know the the you know, the cost that we're incurring of being able to have this kind of like you know 365 day access. Um, and then around kind of maybe about 10 years ago, I um, I came across uh, the idea of you know, vertical farming, you know, urban farming. Um, some guys up in in East London who had you know, converted a corner shop and they were growing salad greens using hydroponics on like like racks on the wall. And I thought, Dave, what what a fantastic idea, but uh, doing it at that scale is not really going to kind of solve the problem. Um, and so started looking into how to scale it up. Um, I was working in corporate marketing uh, for a big global tech firm at the time, and um, so sort I of kept an interest and watched the, the the technology evolve. And then about five years ago, I did that thing. I held my nose. I jumped off a cliff and um, quit my corporate job and went off to uh, set out into the vertical farming space and spent um, a bunch of time working with some of the real pioneers in the industry, um, you know, here in London, um, up in Scotland, you know, some of the you know the tech providers, and, and building out the financial models, kind of understanding how all this stuff works. And in the process, that's where I met the team at Square Mile Farms, and we had a fantastic meeting of minds, and you know, decided to join forces and collaborate. And that's kind of how I got to where I am right now. It's a real, a real entrepreneur story, and one to to you know, really look at the problem solving of, of the issues. I absolutely love it. And it's, it's interesting because just by obviously having that experience that you had of, of fresh fruit and vegetables growing up, then then looking at that through a different lens when you come over here is 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 quite interesting. And don't mind me saying, Adam, it's kind of similar to when when we started. That you know, very different. But I remember Adam saying to me about landmass. Um, just how how little landmass there is in the UK, obviously compared to Australia, but, but you know you still have the same challenges of of urban sprawl and, and thinking things should be done differently. So exports from the southern hemisphere certainly um, certainly benefiting um, you know the, the UK and benefiting sustainable goals. So it's it's really interesting, really um, yeah fascinating story. Yeah, it's just jog jogged uh, something from my memory from when we first sort of dove into this, Jordan that. Um, Hamish, like one thing I was shocked at when I first moved here from Australia is that the landmass is obviously the complete opposite here because it's tiny, but they've got a really big population, whereas Australia's got a massive landmass and a tiny population. So when we're doing in the UK urban sprawl here and converting green land to houses or whatever, there's only a certain point that they can. Well, there's only a certain period they can do that for so long until they've lost all of the agricultural land to actually grow food to feed the people they've just housed. Yes. So it was always like a, a, a paradigm issue when Jordan and I were looking at it, saying, "Yeah, we're taking up green land to house new people, but that green land needs to feed the people that you've just housed. So how's that going to work in 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years time?" Yes, indeed. And and then you kind of um, you you then also look at you know things like 
the utilization of that agricultural land. You know, uh, so to maximize the efficiencies of it, you need to be taking out things like hedgerows and dry stone walls and you know and and you know copses and that kind of stuff to get to kind of like the maximum efficiency. But then that also has the kind of uh, impact in terms of biodiversity, in terms of you know the, the even the, the the aesthetic of the of, of the the, um, the green environment, and so so there are lots and lots of inherent challenges in terms of kind of the the um, the agricultural system, and and so that really goes to the heart of why square mile farms exists, um, and it, and it goes back to I guess somewhat the founder story that we have. But please please dive a, into it. Well, it's it's kind of about a recognition that you know that it is a bit of a broken food system that we're living with right now. And I don't know if any of you have ever watched the um, the documentary series that Simon Reeve did on the Mediterranean, where he's in a you know it's a paraglider flying over the top of a hundred square miles of polytunnel in um, in Spain, which you can actually see from space. And, and that that is that's kind of like you know that that's the 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 absolute sort of definition I think of kind of like high impact um, you know uh, human you know human impact uh, on the environment for you know to satisfy our, our you know our our you know, marketplace desires so anyway so so basically the you know, the, the guys that that founded Square Mile Farms uh, were both working for large corporates in the city of standing up on the top of uh, I think it was Heron Tower looking out over the massive grey rooftops uh, across the city of London and thinking about how we could actually really use that wasted space as a way of being able to you know, grow food back in the in the middle of the, the urban environment and perhaps you know, cascade that food down through the building so everybody got a little bit of access to it. And that was kind of the, the founding vision and they went off and pursued that. And so Patrick sort of <laughs> basically built a farm in his backyard using you know with a with a custom built shipping container and he and Jai kind of worked on this together and eventually we uh had it installed on the 10th floor of uh of a building here in Paddington um and it started off that way which is you know growing food up on the roof and cascading it down through the building and there's a little sort of shop front down on the ground floor and people would come along and you know pick up their you know zero food miles greens um then what evolved from that was that people actually became really curious about how the food was being produced and understanding more about you know the the science behind it but also actually wanting to get close to it and you know it's kind of that that extension of biophilia i mean everyone talks about having sort of lots of greenery in the office but people were actually interested in the greenery as being something that they were consuming and 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 reconnecting themselves to food and that's where it evolved from. Uh, so one of the other, uh, one of the other businesses located here in Paddington, uh, their staff had been really uh, sort of quite actively involved with us, and their chief exec just, um, was on a particular push to like uh, uh, engage the staff in the conversation about their green potentials and you know, and and turning the business into a green business, and they decided that they wanted to have their own edible wall in the office and so that was the first one that we put in and now we've got about 60 of them across london and it's all coming back to that same point which is people are curious about um about food and nutrition 
organizations are keen to be able to find a physical manifestation of their, you know, their corporate ESG goals. And everybody is becoming a lot more concerned about food supply chains, um, food miles, uh, you know, the provenance and, you know, and cleanliness, you know, chemical free, all of that sort of stuff. So that's, it's the coalescing of all of those trend points together. And that's kind of really what's been the secret of the square mile farm success. Hamish, just um, sort of taking a theme from what you've just sort of ended with there in terms of um, the benefits that, that a, a, an urban farm, a vertical farm brings um, to to the environment, to, to people, to, to the planet. Would you would you mind just giving like an overview as to just exactly how the product works in, in terms of the, what, what you guys do and then kind of sure. how, how that is how that is drawing some benefits through? You know exactly as you said in terms of the ESG is a massive point but I think there's a probably some of the people listening would certainly not know the details of, of what it actually is. Sure no absolutely so I mean if you imagine traditional agriculture if you take a you know a, a patch of land uh, you go out there you plough it you till it you sow it with seeds um, the sun shines on it the rain falls on it and then after a few months you end up with some lovely um, sort of fresh vegetables popping up. And if you're lucky, you'll get a couple of harvests off that patch of land in a given year. What we do is we use um, hydroponic technology. So this is basically soilless growing with nutrient rich water. And we use supplemental uh, grow lamps, which are specifically developed to be able to give plants the optimum lighting conditions so the optimum lighting recipe if you call it that and what we do is we put farm units into offices and we sowed them with seedlings that we're growing in our nursery and then we give them the perfect mix of nutrients uh, and water and lighting and temperature and humidity and what we'll find is that we will be able to harvest a crop uh, once the plants have sort of grown out to maturity, we'll be able to harvest a crop off that about once every two weeks. Um, now, what it means then, of course, is that you're ending up with a much, much more productive system for food production. It's not as uh, dependent on weather conditions. We don't get faced with the same challenges of you know, storms and weather events and massive changes in you know, the, the climate that we're experiencing, temperature extremes and all of that sort of stuff. And as a result, on a per square foot basis, we're way, way more productive than traditional agriculture. And then on top of it, we don't have any of the carbon emissions from fossil fuels in our production processes because we're not driving tractors everywhere. You know, we, we, we don't have delivery vehicles because the food is actually being grown really pretty much at the point of you know, at least harvest, if not consumption. Um, the systems are very efficient in terms of water use. So we use probably only about 5% of the water that you would use in traditional agriculture for the same output. Because we're inside buildings, we don't need to use herbicides and pesticides because they're largely sort of clean, controlled environments. And so what we're doing is we're, we're effectively getting a very high productive, well, highly productive sort of growing system close to where people are actually going to harvest it and consume it. Um, and that, that's sort of largely how, the, how the, the, the system works. So what we'll do is we'll go and work with 
everyone from product, you know, from, um, from property developers through to facilities management, through to landlords or, or directly with tenants. And we'll go in and we'll install a farm wall or some freestanding farm units into a reception. We'll grow a range of leafy greens and herbs, and then we'll engage with the workforce, um, the tenants of the building, and get them along for a harvest. They participate in it. They pack it all up for themselves in kind of um, like uh, compostable or bioplastic bags, and then they have the super fresh produce to take home with them. And and so that's that's kind of the core of what it is that we do. But there's there's so many different layers to unpick in that. And so let me start, I guess, with the with the big one, which you just mentioned, which is ESG. Um, and the way that we kind of think about it is you've kind of got almost wholesale and retail ESG. So wholesale re, uh, ESG, for example, is decarbonizing your supply chain or putting smart building technology into uh, into your 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 buildings for managing lighting or your HVAC systems and things like that. And so it's really, really big and significant stuff that's really moving the needle in terms of you know, environmental impact. But it's a bit kind of esoteric and the people in the building don't ever really get to see what that's all about. And so what we've got is we're kind of calling it retail ESG in the sense that it's a a really easy to understand manifestation of what the business's environmental goals are or social goals are. So whether this is about improving collaboration, whether it's about being able to provide a healthier working environment, whether it's about being able to have conversations about you know, environmental issues, about supply chains and things like that, we can mesh the two of them together. Um, and, and that's a big part of what a lot of our clients are talking to us about, which is, you know, this is not necessarily the answer to their sustainability challenges, but it's a way of being able to engage people in the conversation about it and get them thinking about it. And then I guess the next layer down from that is we're talking to, um, you know, to you know, the tenants, to, you know, to the staff members, to, you know, to team members. Um, about nutrition, about growing at home, about making wise food choices. We give them lots of super healthy recipes. They get some very lovely fresh produce to take home and they get to work with their compatriots or maybe people that they don't even know in the business and get to participate in something which is kind of like really different to traditional kind of you know, green office greening, which is kind of like very decorative and not very kind of participative. And, and so we're actually providing this really great mechanic for people to be able to reconnect with each other and reconnect with the food that they're eating. And so those are kind of like two big aspects of what it is that we're doing. Amish, I'm interested to dive into the, I suppose, the more technical aspects of the installation for any sort of designers out there. If they're considering integrating this um, or, or even in existing buildings mm -hmm. for, for landlords, developers, et cetera, who are regenerating spaces. Yep. Is it all right to give a bit of an overview as to, well, I'm not 100% certain as to the exact products you provide today, <laughs> as, in, sure. as in do they, can you put this stuff outside or is it predominantly used inside? And then what are the sort of requirements that you would recommend to make sure it's successful within or outside a building? Sure. Um, well, to be honest, we put all of our focus on putting these inside of buildings and primarily because it's 
inside of buildings where you have your temperature and humidity control, you actually have the best potential growing conditions. Um, we have a couple of different formats that we actually deploy. So we have these um, lovely freestanding units we call farm stands, uh, and they are effectively a plug and play vertical farm that you can rapidly deploy. Um, I'm not sure if you saw my LinkedIn post, but I was in a building in uh, just up from St Paul's 30 uh, in Gutter Lane. Yes, indeed, uh, on, on uh, Monday or Tuesday, and, and there were two two of them in the uh, in the lobby. In, indeed, and they um, look amazing. They they are awesome, and I have to say, um, the 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 guys um, in in that building at the forum have been fantastic partners of ours, and we're really really excited to have those uh, those farm stands in there, and they look great. I mean, they look a little sort of, you know, a little science fictiony, but they've got a, a really lovely form factor to them. But they're but they're a great way of being able to introduce this kind of uh, solution or this kind of. Um, you know, new way of farming into a business and being able to try it out. Uh, so they're really, I mean, effectively, they are a, a 70 litre water tank on the bottom um, filled with nutrient rich water and then four layers of growing space. So we'll grow probably about 24 plants, um, various various different types in there. Uh, the only thing that we need for it is a three pin, uh, a three pin um, plug. Uh, so if we just plug them in, the, the, the lights are incorporated into them, the, uh, the, the, um, the nutrient water tank is basically built in, it's got a pump, and then so you can put them pretty much anywhere, so uh, completely independently of any natural light. So we have, we have clients who are putting them into stairwells or um, into coffee stations or you know, dotted across you know, the, the floors of their building so everyone has access to kind of a, you know, their own little patch of farmland. So that, that's one solution that we have. The other one that we have is uh, we have farm walls and these can either be wall mounted or they can be freestanding. Um, and they're a, they're a much larger form factor, but you know you get um, obviously with that a lot more produce coming off them. So you know, as an example, we have just put a three meter wall into a client site in Fitzrovia and that's got 210 plants on it and that means that every two weeks we'll get probably in excess of 100 bags of produce coming off that 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 wall unit um and again i mean they're, they're very self-contained so that you know they don't need to be plumbed in again you can run a three meter you can run a three meter farm wall off a single three-point plug uh the, you know, they're modular in size, so you can scale them up. So we do them as standard kind of 1.1 meter units, and then we just scale them up in, in modules from there. So um, we're, we're working with a client at the moment on putting a 6.6 meter wall installation in. Um, so you know, they're, they're, they're very straightforward to deploy. Uh, they are um, they're very flexible in terms of how you can use them. I mean, some people, for example, are putting, you know, using them as partitions and offices to be able to provide some kind of like noise suppression benefits and then putting corporate branding or, you know, projector screens or big, you know, magnetic whiteboards and things like that on the back of them. Um, uh, they tend to be put, I mean, they're being put into all sorts of different locations across buildings. So they'll be put into reception areas, for example, and they become a kind of like a totemic kind of installation for 
guests and for staff as they come into the building and you know they can get involved in that level uh they are being put into you know close to sort of uh staff cafeterias and dining areas um, not so much to kind of replace the food that um that they're getting for their catering but to supplement it and to be able to add a natural element in. Um, so there's lots and lots of different ways that it can be that it can be rolled out and and ultimately we're you know I mean, we are actually having some early conversations with, with some people to get this built into master plans and look at how you can actually integrate farming um, and food production into a development right from the very get-go um, and basically build a scaled up version so that you can provide you know, an even larger footprint and it becomes embedded into the fabric of the development and um, it really does actually start moving the needle in terms of you know, sustainability and food miles when you start doing it like that. Hamish, just my mind wandering then in terms of are you saying about master planning and how, how that can be fed into in, into the design. I think that's you know, thinking at the early stage of any project is, is building in the viability of, of such um, features is, is, is amazing. And, and actually, I think the beauty of your product is it, it can be treated almost obviously one of them like an FF&E package item that can be can be brought in um, with, with that and with very little disruption to 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 the space keen to i'm keen to know uh, on something i hadn't appreciated is that one that adam you took a picture of was it was i thought that was in a square mile um office i hadn't appreciated that was in was in the forum so that's mm, great yeah. seeing seeing one in the flesh in terms of um impact we know how much of an impact that had on adam um when he saw it what <laughs> what um you know what's, what's kind of the feedback from your from your clients and their, their visitors and their occupiers. I mean, what's the, this is obviously having huge positive um, yeah. outcomes for people. What, what sort of things do you hear from, from, from your customers? Oh, I mean, we've had, we've had some absolutely sensational comments coming back and, um, and, and that's a really good point. I'm, uh, I don't want to go, <laughs> go down the route of like, let me, let me read you 53 quotes of how much we love you. Um, but, please, I mean, please do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we have, I mean, you know, uh, we've had people, for example, one of our clients, we had um, we had an event uh, with them and she said, look, you know, during lockdown, I moved to Cornwall because I could. But having the farm in the office has now actually given me a reason to come back in. Um, we've had clients tell us that they have team members who find the farm installations as being a great stress relief and they'll go and meditate or just have like some mindfulness time hanging up by the by the, the farm walls because it just creates a very lovely calming natural um, natural kind of experience. Uh, we have had um, we've had some of our clients actually build whole events around the farm and use them as a uh, use them as a mechanic for kind of like team building and team engagement. Um, so it's a multi multifaceted kind of thing. Um, but in terms of impact, I mean, you know, first of all, they are visually striking. Secondly, um, they are not static. I mean, obviously, you know, so there are some fantastic green wall installations around and, and we love them. And I think that, you know, that there are some really dramatic ones. Um, but they are a little bit static in the sense that, you know, you know uh, once you're in there, that you know, they look great, but you don't get to engage with them very much. 
what we're finding is that people are loving the opportunity to first of all dictate or even request what crops they want to have grown on it that we can change the crops on a seasonal basis. So before Christmas, for example, we were putting in winter thyme and sage so that all of our clients had all of these lovely, fabulous like winter herbs for you know, in time for Christmas. And people are really, really loving that level of engagement because it's, so it's not just passive decorative, it's something which is like truly immersive. And as a result of that, I mean, just to give you, know, we, we put three of our farm stands into uh, one of our clients' locations before Christmas. And they came back to me last week and said that they loved it so much that they wanted to put a farm wall on every every floor of their building and they've got five floors. So, I mean, these things are just, you know, they, they do become something which is really attractive and really engaging. And it gives you know, so many different conversations that you can actually participate in and that the organization can actually facilitate around this piece of infrastructure. Yeah, so well, I can speak from experience to say that when I was in the forum, just just sitting there in the, um, the open sort of workspace on the ground floor, I physically felt happier just <laughs> being able to look at green. Um, and it's a really, really nice building. And then, but that took that area of the building to another level. Um, it was just, it genuinely was relaxing looking at it. Um, so I can, I can 100% vouch for that. But my last, you need to write, you need to write Hamish a quote, I think. That okay. Be, uh, yeah. Could you, <laughs> yes, could you no, send me your, your quote list after this and yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> we'll I'll put add, in my We'll add you to the, to the ever lengthening list of people who are just like, uh, who are in love with, uh, in love with the, with our farms. Well, that sort of segues perfectly into our last question around the future of urban farming. Um, obviously yeah. through the feedback you've had, the feedback I've just given, it's, it's trending upwards quite significantly and obviously you've got just from an occupant satisfaction perspective that's one side sustainability is another um, increasing and improving your food security so there's so many different avenues of why this is going to become important and vital to urban buildings yeah um, I suppose Absolutely. sorry go on yeah, well, uh, no, and so, no, you're, you're, you're right. And I think that that's also reflected, for example, when you look at, you know, the mayor's food strategy yeah. for London. And there is a big component of that, which is about how we can use spaces in the city to be able to help address, you know, food poverty, help address uh, obesity issues, how to address community issues. and And so... Urban farming in all of its different shapes and forms, whether it's, you know, whether it's a community, you know, um, a planter, whether it's a an industrial scale sort of uh, urban farm, you know, vertical farm on the outskirts of the, of the city, or whether it's actually putting, you know, putting uh, food front and centre in terms of people's everyday sort of you know work uh life or everybody you know their, their everyday kind of lived experience i mean the, there is no silver bullet um when it comes to solving the, the food challenges that we have it's about all of these different things coming together but the most important part is really the education and i think that that's a real that so so for us we are continuing to expand our installations and we fully expect i mean if we've got a dream 
it would be that we have the UK's biggest farm. It's just that it's going to be massively distributed. Um, but you know, what we'd really like to be able to do is just continue in helping people understand and be able to make informed choices in terms of, first of all, the impact that their um, consum food consumption is having on the planet and, and not getting kind of like, you know, overly kind of uh, dogmatic about it, but, but at least people, uh, giving people the information to allow them to make wiser choices. If they choose to, they choose to do, you know, make, make choices which aren't great for the planet, but at least they've got the information. So there's a big chunk of that. And so we're really going to be pushing very hard and working collaboratively with all of the different people out there who can help us in telling that story. But then also it's about working with all of the different stakeholders in terms of developers, you know, landlords, you know, tenants and, and so on, to be able to really actually get this into the hands of their, 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 their staff, their occupiers, and to be able to um, start um, turning this into some kind of a, like a, a movement and actually have people on board and actively, I mean, kind of like a bit like kind of like you know, cycling to work or anything like that, that, where this actually just becomes part of the fabric of your day to day existence. And you don't think twice about, you know, going in and, and sourcing from a, a hyper local production rather than actually going off and, you know, and flying. I mean, this is a, a, a flying watercress in from Florida, which is what we do at the moment. Um, so you know, it's that that's where the fu the future is, um, and I think it's going to be a hybrid of you know, things that we're doing, for example, and putting farms into workplaces and putting farms into you know, apartment blocks, for example, and then all of the other things in terms of urban farming that are out there. A farm for every building. Absolutely. I mean that. Uh, I think if you asked. If you asked people whether that would be something that they would want to have as part of their existence, it's like, would you would you like a farm in your building or would you like a swimming pool? I'll bet you you would get more people wanting a farm than a swimming pool. Oh, good bet. Good bet. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yep. Good. Good. Hamish, it's been an absolute pleasure to 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 hear your story, to hear about square mile farms and and kind of your aspirations for, for where this will take not only your business but but also our property property lives in, in sort of helping to to challenge some of those um the sort of issues in the industry around food mileage but but also what that that then translates into um the human element which hearing hearing kind of how that's impacted people and how that in, improves their lives over time i think seeing or hearing someone wanting to come back to the office because of these types of installations and, and you know creating an environment that they're enjoying being in is is a huge plus so wishing you every success and look forward to tracking your your journey so oh, fantastic well look, i mean thank you so much for inviting us on and um look, i really 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 enjoyed chatting you uh chatting to you about what it is that we do um and yeah uh look, let's see how let's see how um how green we can make the gray right also, just as a, as a last minute note, us, us starting this to record late is because I needed to have some food. So if I'd had a, a, somewhere in the uh, in the building that I could have gone to, <laughs> yeah. that, that just, safe, just stuff safe, a bag of so. spinach down your throat. <laughs> yeah. well, I would have eaten, would have eaten anything before. Yeah. So yeah. Good. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Amish, absolute pleasure. Thank you, mate.
Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Hi, this is B Patel, the co-founder of BTR News, the industry's leading digital publication for Build Trent news, insights, research and information. And you're listening to the Built for Life podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built for Life podcast. If you learned something new today or found value from hearing from a different property perspective, please comment on what you found useful as it helps us understand what you like and what you want to hear more of. And also please subscribe if you want more. And most importantly, please share this video to the people in your network you believe will get the most value from the information as you are personally helping spread information and education across the industry. As they say, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. And by you watching and sharing this, you are now part of that group. And just to finish, if you would like unlimited free access to the world's best research and resources related to health, well-being and the built environment, you can subscribe to the Life Proven Library where academic research, reports and case studies are regularly added. They're then reviewed in detail and the key findings are extracted into easy to use dot points and also a brief summary video. So you don't even need to read the reports. All the heavy lifting has been done for you as you can just watch the summary. So just head to www.lifeproven.co.uk and click on the button library at the top of the page. And as always, if you have a project, an investment opportunity, or you are interested in a collaboration and would like to discuss directly, you can contact us at adam at lifeproven.co.uk.